The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, as David was just singing about the night holding on, I guess my thought are that there are many right now for whom that night has got a grip. And uh, Lord, I just pray that they would remember also that, uh, that you are holding on to them. I pray, Lord, that you take this time to lift our hearts, lift our eyes, get us, uh, get us focused on the King. Uh, Lord, would you, would you please move us in that direction during this time as we look at your word now. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we are headed back to the book of Acts today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 12. A great little story. Going to help us with our prayer life, I think, and some great uh, things that will be very practical for what we're going on, what's going on right now. And also, this story has a little humor in it. Uh, I think it's one of the funniest stories of the Bible, but, uh, but I'm a, a strange man, so you might not. But before we do that, I did want to mention, I hope that along with me, you are beginning to look forward to, you're beginning to anticipate that day when we can gather together again. What a day of rejoicing that will be. And uh, I know that here in the Wolverine State, that might be a little later than some others. And uh, we, um, we, don't re we are not really able to tell you a date yet because of that or, or know exactly when that will be. But we are working towards some guidelines for that. One thing that we know for sure is that is going to come in stages. That we are going to uh, be, you know, like everything else that is coming back. We're going to have phase one and phase two or whatever like that. And, and we believe... You know, one of the things that will be part of that is that uh, probably to begin with, we will not be able to have children's classes. Uh, probably to begin with, we're going to have a couple of services so we can spread everybody out and we'll have some other things in place. But I wanted to mention along with that to try to get you praying with me. You know, one, one of the great things that has come out of this is just our ability to uh, uh, put on uh, you know, the production that, that goes out over the airwaves that, that is going out now on Facebook and to stream our services. And I, I, I hope you agree with me. We're getting a little bit better every week. This week, we grew this tree, and we're pretty excited about that. So now we got, we got this tree going. Who knows next week what we might have, fountain, waterfalls in the background. It could be incredible. Uh, stay tuned. But uh, we, we've been excited about the fact that even once things are back to normal, uh, we can continue to have uh, this uh, broadcast going out and, and make it available to those that are sick and things like that. So we're excited about that. Something else that I'm excited about, I, I think we're going to have to open with two services, but I think that could be a great thing for our church. I think it will give folks an opportunity who work in ministry to also be part of the worship experience. And I think it will also just provide, you know, just an opening as far as availability of services for more people to be able to come. So I'm hoping and praying that that will be something that can become part of our regular ministry here. I would ask you to pray about that with me, but also realize that if we're going to do that, we're probably going to have to step up our efforts. So be praying about that also, how you could be a part I'm doing that where we could have two services a week. I, I'll be excited about that. doesn't take a whole. Just so I know, guys, which camera am I supposed to be looking at? 
Either one. Okay, I'll go back and forth. This will be exciting. Uh, you'll think you're watching, or I'm watching a ping pong game. Uh, that'll be pretty good. All right, so we're going to take some time, and we're going to read uh, quite a bit in Acts chapter 12. Now, I told you this is kind of a funny story. I should tell you this. There's also the story of two people dying in here, so it's not all that funny. Uh, I didn't want you to think I had a really sick sense of humor. In fact, it starts with the death of uh, one of the, the, the great apostles, a guy by the name of James. But let's go ahead. Acts chapter 12, verse number 1, it says, about this time, Herod, wait, I need to stop for a second. King Herod, I just need to introduce you to this guy because there's a lot of different Herods in the Bible. This particular Herod uh, was the grandson of the Herod who gave the order to have all the babies killed. Okay, he is also the grandson of uh, the guy that, uh, the same guy who had his own son killed. So he had this Herod's father killed because he saw him as a threat to his throne. This guy, history tells us, is probably one of the biggest buffoons that ever was in charge of anything. Uh, he was, had somewhat of a friendship with the Emperor Claudius, and Claudius, I think as much just to be nasty to some people, put him in charge. This is not a good man. There's nothing in history that tells us that there's anything really redeeming about this Herod. And it says he laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James. Stop for a second. James uh, is the brother of John. Now, this is not the James, obviously, since he's dying here, who becomes the leader of the New Testament church. That James is the brother of Jesus, or I'll say the half-brother of Jesus. They did have the same mother, different fathers. But uh, this James is, along with his brother, they were called, I love this name, they were called the Sons of Thunder. Great wrestling tag team uh, group name. I mean, just, just nice here, the old Sons of Thunder. But anyway, uh, Herod at the beginning here says verse number two that he killed James the brother of John with a sword took off his head and when he saw that it pleased the Jews need to stop for a second again not all the Jews but a group of the Jews at least who hated the spread of Christianity are, are pleased by the fact that now James is dead so he proceeded to arrest Peter also and this was during the days of the unleavened bread. So he is planning to kill Peter also. Uh, he sees this as a political opportunity. Hey, some of these folks really like the fact that I killed James. Let's get Peter too. But he doesn't want to do that during the Passover. Uh, so because he does not want to do it during the Passover, uh, when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers. Okay, wait a minute. Four squads of soldiers, 16 men to guard Peter. Now, Peter may have been a pretty burly guy as a fisherman, might have been pretty strong, but 16 men, he was not the Hulk, okay? He was not an Avenger. But if you remember from our stories and what's been going on, uh, the Christians that were arrested had a tendency to be a little slippery as far as holding on to them. God liked to let them out. In fact, Jesus, they even killed him, and they still couldn't stop him from showing up again. So, uh, so he wants to be pretty careful, so he gets 16 men to guard Peter, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. Here you go. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. The first thing they think to do here is to pray. Uh, so often prayer is regarded as the last resort. Uh, you know, think of even the term Hail Mary. You know, that's always at the end of the football game. You're heaving up this pass. Uh, this is my desperation attempt. This is all I've got left. That a lot of times is how we think of prayer. But the church right away says, hey, it is time for us to pray. You know, many times, for example, somebody will be struggling. Their marriage is hurting. 
and they think, first of all, I need to talk to a lawyer. Or maybe I need to talk to a counselor, and that could be helpful. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe I need to get some help with some good Facebook counsel. That would be a good idea. And prayer becomes the last resort. But the church uses prayer as the first line here of attack against the problems they're going through. They're going to pray. So let's continue with our story. It says, when Herod was about to bring him out, that's Peter, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and with sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off of his hands. Now, this is the first part that I think is funny. Again, I have a strange sense of humor, but Peter is sleeping. And he is between two men, and he's chained to them. And he's sleeping so soundly that the angel has to strike him to wake him up. Now, I've been to men's retreats and slept in a room full of men. That ain't easy. Uh, we make some really gross noises throughout the night. I mean, it, how can this guy be lying there between these two men? He's chained, and he's in such a stinking sound sleep uh, that uh, the angel has to come and kick him to wake him up. You know, later on, Peter is going to write that we had to cast all our cares upon the Lord, for he careth. Obviously, Peter knew how to practice that because Peter is resting comfortably enough that the angel has to kick him. I really don't understand how he could sleep that well. That just fascinating fascinates me that he is that uh, soundly asleep at this time and the angel I'm sorry it gets worse and the angel says to him dress yourself and put on sandals now if he had to get up and dress himself again that adds to the whole awkwardness of the situation where he's sleeping chained to two men I, I, I really don't know how he's sleeping that safely I find that amusing you're probably thinking we're getting ready to change the station okay anyway uh, he did so, and he said to him, wrap all your clo cloak around yourself and follow me. The angel's talking to him, and he says, and he went out, and he followed him, and he did not know what was being done by the angel. Was it real? Uh, he didn't know if it was or not, but he thought he was seeing a vision. Now, Peter had seen visions before. He's wondering, is this another case of that? I actually have never been awake and wondered if I was in a dream. I've been in a lot of dreams and wondered if, but Peter is and he doesn't know if, actually, maybe some of you are going through that right now. Is this really happening? Uh, I, I, can't, I can't believe it. But that's where Peter was. He wasn't sure what was going on there. And when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. And it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. And when Peter, uh, to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish, uh, all the Jewish people that were respecting. So again, if you could just think through this, Peter, the night before he is to be killed, is sleeping there beside these, by these men. He's in such a sound sleep. I, I cannot imagine that. The night before he is to be executed, I don't think I'd be getting any sleep, but that's what he was doing. But now finally he's figured out what's gone, gone on here, that God has delivered him. And when I realized this, he went uh, to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. This is the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark, John Mark. We'll, meet, we'll see him again later in the next couple of chapters. Where many were gathered together and they were praying. And when I knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. I love that too. You know, I'm not sure exactly how it works when we get to heaven, if we get to, you know, hey, 
Tell me about that story. We have forever, so I think somewhere along the line, I want to meet Rhoda. I want, I want to give her a hard time because I could just see this happening here a little bit. Hey, Peter's here! And she leaves. Can you see Peter standing at the door going, do you want to let me in? Uh, but, she, but she runs back. And uh, when they, they hear her, they say to her, verse number 15, you're out of your mind. Okay, we are praying for Peter to get out of jail. Why would we be praying for him to get out of jail if he's out of jail? That doesn't make any sense. What we're praying for here is really impossible, but we're praying anyway. Uh, this doesn't make any sense, but she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, no, it is his angel. In other words, not only is he not out of jail, he's dead. Uh, but Peter continued talking, and when they opened, they saw him, and they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, I have described to them how the Lord has brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. I'm sorry. Do you, anybody, anybody else with me? You think uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting feedback from this crowd here today. I, I don't know. But I, I just I just enjoy that story so much. Uh, watching God deliver him. Now, the rest of the chapter goes on. And uh, first thing that happens is the guards who are assigned to watch Peter, they get all killed because that was their responsibility to keep him safe. And then uh, Herod gives a little speech, and they say, hey, Herod, you're, you're, you're like a god. And he says, yeah, I think I am, and God kills him. Uh, and then what, what the Bible says is that the gospel or the word of God continues to go forward. But let's go back and see what we can gather from prayer from this story. We're going to look at some of the obstacles to prayer, some of the reasons why we don't pray. But first of all, if I could get you to think of just the whole idea, get, if we can wrap our minds around the concept that God wants you to pray. He tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. Okay? Um, he, uh, he says this oftentimes we do not have because we do not ask. Um, there's a verse, Francis actually had it up on her little calendar in the kitchen this week. It says, stay awake in prayer. Okay, stay, stay on this thing. God wants us to use our words. He wants us to talk to him. Last week for Mother's Day, after eight weeks, we finally got to go see my grandson and uh, spend a little time with him. So we had a good, good time with him. Now, he's just in the learning to walk and talk stage. And uh, we were trying to get him to say, I picked a nice, easy grandpa name because I thought this, was, th this would be said easily. Pop. I mean, how easy is pop? So I'm sitting there by him going, Easton, pop, pop, pop. And he'd look right past me at the dog and say, Gidget. Now, how much harder is it to say Gidget than pop? But the kid would not say pop, but he said Gidget over and over again, quite amused by the dog. Uh, now, but, you know, as, as I watched him, his favorite word and his first word has always been da-da, da-da, da-da. God has given us language and had us creatures who can talk that we can talk to him. And as I watched the relationship between my son-in-law and my grandson, sorry, I'm actually getting a little choked up as I think about it. I'm so thankful to have my son-in-law and his love for my grandson. But as I watched that, you know, I just see the little boy's face light up, dad, 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 and I see the dad's face light up, and I think God wants us to talk to him. <laughs> he wants us to use our words. And if we can wrap our minds around that concept as we approach this idea of prayer, just realize how much it is that God wants us to pray. Understanding, though, that there are some obstacles to prayer. And I think one of them could have happened to this group in this story. Uh, the first one being fear. Many times we are just plain afraid that our prayers won't work or that we'll be embarrassed. There's a verse in Psalms I wanted to show you. The psalmist wrote, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Well, other...
mocking me while I'm praying and saying, where is your God? This is something that happens several other places in Scripture too. But we are often embarrassed. We are afraid that our prayers won't work. I'd like you to think about this statement. We've all had a James. <laughs> Sorry, it sounds kind of funny as thinking about it. I thought about making that the title of the sermon. Uh, we've all had a James, kind of like that's bad. Then I thought Pastor James might be offended, so I didn't want to say that. But if, if you will think about this with me for a second, we have all had something about which we prayed. We really wanted this to happen, and it didn't happen. Now think about it. Right after James is killed, what do the believers do? They gather together and pray for Peter. Wouldn't it have been easy for them to say, hey, <laughs> didn't help much, did it? And so many times I think we are not praying for our health because, well, it didn't help so-and-so, so I'm not going to pray for this person. For a job, well, I really wanted that job, and that's the one I was praying for, but I didn't get it, so I'm not going to pray anymore. For a marriage, hey, maybe it didn't work in my first marriage, so why should I pray about the second one? For me, my James, if you will, actually is that little boy I was just talking about, Easton. When he was born, you know, doctors, first of all, were saying he wasn't going to live very long. I didn't pray God help him to figure out what's wrong and, and, uh, and help him improve, which has happened, and he's, and he's doing great. I prayed God heal him. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I kind of really wanted God to do. And uh, I kept praying that. And, you know, my vision of God's healing, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic or mean, but just honestly, when I think about God healing somebody, they don't walk with a limp. <laughs> they are walking and leaping and praising God. So I very much struggled a little bit. Okay, you know, hey, why should uh, our other grandson was born just a couple months later? And I thought even when I'd bow to pray, I think, you know, well, we prayed so much for Easton to be healthy and he's had such a hard time. You know, why should I pray? Hopefully, my honesty helps you connect with that a little bit, and hopefully we can realize how sad it is that we won't pray about this marriage or this job or this child because the other one is, isn't doing so well. Hopefully, we can follow the examples of the believers here who said, who continued in prayer, and, and we'll develop that a little bit more as we go on as to how we can do that. As we confront the last couple obstacles that go with fear. I want to show you another verse. Uh, this verse, actually, I saw our, uh, yesterday that our vice president was quoting this. I thought that was kind of cool. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. The second obstacle we often face is pride. It's basically this idea that I do not need God. I do not need help. And I just wanted to give you one quote that uh, this struck me and hopefully will be helpful to you. And it is the idea that prayer is daily rebellion against self-sufficiency. Prayer is daily rebellion against self-sufficiency. My heart gravitates towards self-righteousness and self-sufficiency over and over again. But when I bow for prayer, it breaks the bonds of both of those things. Fear, pride, the third one that oftentimes we do not pray about, or we do not pray because of is simply sin. I don't pray because <laughs> there's something in my life I want to hold on to. I don't pray because I really don't want God to change me in that area. I'm not going to pray about my marriage because maybe I don't want to change my behavior in my marriage. I'm not going to pray about my money situation because maybe uh, there's something that I think God might ask me to do that I don't want to do. Um, I was thinking uh, that a 
days uh, when the government was talking about the stimulus checks going out. I heard a lady talking. She said, you know what? She said, I know we're going to be able to work through this whole thing. She said, so I am looking for a place to give away my stimulus check. When she said that, I thought, that's awesome. What a good idea. But <laughs> I thought, you know, do I want to really ask God if he wants me to do that too? No, because he might. <laughs> and I kind of like money. But you know, and it took me a while where I struggled with it. And finally, you know, just to, to say, God, what would you have me to do with this money? But many that keeps us from praying is just in my own heart I don't want God telling me what to do and I think prayer is going to lead me in my, that direction so I so I stay away from it but let me encourage you in our story to do a couple things one of them is rally other people to if you watch what happened here they're praying uh, together in earnest okay they, they gathered together when we get other people to pray with us we amplify our voice in prayer um, Many kings of the Old Testament requested prayer, and they requested prayer of God's man to pray for them. The Apostle Paul often said, pray for me. And even Jesus, before the night in which uh, he was taken, uh, said, watch and pray. They are requesting prayers, and if we tell others our prayer requests, I think we're amplifying our voice. Religion makes us embarrassed sometimes to, uh, to share our real needs, to share, uh, you know, where we're hurting, to share our struggles. So we hold on to some things, and many times we're going through something major. I'll say to somebody, hey, have you even told your spouse? And they'll say, no, I really haven't. I was, I was too embarrassed by it. Well, why don't you tell them, and why don't the two of you pray about that together? Uh, this is where small groups can be so valuable is when we, we learn to lean on God uh, together and trust in him and share these these things and burdens on our hearts so that if my marriage is struggling rather than that being the last resort I'm praying about it so if if my job situation is is going nuts or the world seems to be going nuts I'm leaning on each other and we're praying together and I want to encourage you in what the uh, church does here they rally together they meet together for I'm sorry thought just crossed my mind uh, during a time when we really can't meet together much yet but uh, James and I were talking this morning in February. We preached about the importance of connecting to other people. <laughs> and, of course, in March, well, we can't do that now. Uh, but, but uh, you know, even in a phone call, in a text to pray for somebody else or maybe even praying together uh, on the phone or something like that, but to make sure that we are enlisting up, rallying a group of people that will pray with us. Why would we... Uh, ignorantly or, or I don't even know the word I, I want uh, sheepishly uh, fearfully hide what we're going through rather than ask those who would gladly pray for us and would love to pray for us uh, why would we not rally others to pray for us and then perhaps most importantly as we look at this whole story it is crucial that I prepare myself for his answer and not mine if you were to ask me the question, okay, but in this story, why did James die and Peter live? I studied that quite a bit this week. I, I thought, why would James die? Why would my mic die? Is it another question? How long ago did it die? Okay. Uh, but uh, why, why would James die and, and uh, Peter not die? And I can remember teaching teenagers, and they'd ask that question. Yeah, but, okay, great, Peter got out of jail, but James is dead. Well, why did that happen? So, so in studying that and digging into that this week, here's my answer. I have no clue. I really don't. 
I, I have no clue why. It, I mean, James was one of the sons of thunder. Maybe he was a little bit more offensive. Uh, it could have been. I don't know. When I was uh, in college, one of the uh, first jobs that I had or one of the jobs I had to work my way through college, I worked in a pie factory. They used to have restaurants around Chicago called uh, Baker Square, and we, uh, we made the uh, pies for them. And um, my f first assignment there was to work in a room called the pot wash. Now, don't get excited, it's not as glamorous as it sounds, but uh, we, we'd go in there and we'd take these giant hoses, almost like fireman-sized uh, hoses, and we'd blast these giant mixing pots. And I remember the boss took me in there the first day and he said, you wash them off and then you set them upside down so they drain and you put them over here by the door, but keep them in the pot wash uh, so that the bakers can come get them. Said, okay, got it. Well, after a little bit, when I was working, the baker brought one back and he said, this one still has chocolate on it. And I said, well, it didn't. I cleaned it. But when I blasted off this other pot, this, some of the chocolate flew over there. And he said, oh, well, well you got to wash it again. And I thought, you know what? It'd be better if these pots were out in the hallway. So I started to stack the pots out in the hall hallway. Pretty soon the, uh, the boss strolled in. And uh, he said, Dan. I said, yeah. He said, uh, what's your shirt say? Well, they'd given us plain white pants, plain white shirt, plain white hat. And uh, I looked at it. I said, nothing. He said, oh. He said, what's mine say? I looked at it, and it said manager. And uh, he said, uh, do you know what that means? And the smart aleck in me wanted to say, yeah, we got the wrong shirts, but I did not. And it's a good thing I didn't because that job was crucial in my life because I used to get to bring home French silk pies. I'm pretty sure that's why my wife married me, so it was crucial that I hold on to the job. And I actually uh, uh, just did what I was supposed to do and, and listened to my manager and do what he said. But, but I can remember he said, what, what, what's your shirt say? What's mine say? I'm the manager. You know, sometimes in life, quite simply, we forget who is in charge. Okay? Uh, and I, I think this calls us to remember that again. Why did James die and Peter not? I don't really know. I do know the Bible says this. The psalmist wrote, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. And obviously, James's purpose had been fulfilled, and Peter said not. I don't completely understand that. And I, you know, like, and when I first read the story, I struggle with it too, and I still struggle sometimes with letting God be God in my life. But I, it is so important that I remember to prepare myself for His answer, and not for mine. A couple of Bible stories I want to bring to your attention in in the book of Samuel, actually Second Samuel chapter twelve. David is praying for a child that he has that, that looks like it's going to die. I believe the child's name was Jedediah, but but he is praying, and it says he took seven days. And he's fasting, and he's laying on the ground, and he's crying out, and he's not eating, and he's not shaving, and he's not bathing, and he's, not eat, uh, he's just in agony there. And after seven days, he gets the news that indeed his child has died. He gets up, he bathes himself, he shaves himself, and he eats. And the people look at him and say, what's, what's the deal? I don't understand. You know, while your child was still alive, you were doing all these things, and now it's just like nothing happened. And basically he said, I'll see him again. I'll see him again in heaven. Uh, while I could, while I thought maybe God would answer this prayer, I was going to ask him with my whole heart. I was going to beg him. I was going to cry him, cry out to him. But I'm accepting that what God has done is best. I know I'll see him again. Job said, with everything that he went through, the loss of everything in his life, he said this, naked I came into this world, naked I'm going to leave this world. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord.
And these two characters learn the whole idea of, yes, we'll pray and we'll pour out our hearts to God. But bottom line is, I have to realize that God is large and in charge, and I am not. So why do I pray then? If it's not always going to get answered, if I'm not always going to get what I want, why do I continue to pray? I pray very simply because God tells me to. God wants me to talk to him. God commands that I pray to him and pray. us. And he made it even when he gave us a sample prayer. He gave us like a 15-second prayer uh, that you can pray, and you can pray throughout the day, and you can continue just to pray uh, to him in short increments and continuing to talk to him. Because my talking to him is so crucial and so important. He wants me in that relationship with him. So the object, that the person to whom I am praying, the object of my faith, that in which my faith is placed, is far more important than even the amount of my faith. So I looked at this group that is praying for Peter, and uh, when Peter shows up, they're like, nah, <laughs> you don't understand. It must be his angel. He must be dead because he was in prison. They're going to cut off his head tomorrow. Maybe they did it early. Uh, he, mu he must be dead. I don't know that they had great faith that their prayers were going to be answered, but they, what they did have is together they, they had focused on the one who could answer their prayers. They had focused on the king of their hearts. They had focused on the king of the universe. Pastor James has, has been doing a great job of just trying to remind you of what we want to be about as a church when he takes time each week and he says, we want to help you connect to God. We want to help you to connect to others. We want to help you connect to your purpose. But as I said, we we're kind of kiddingly saying, hey, it's been pretty tough to connect to each other during this time. My prayer, though, is that during the last couple months and whatever is in the next couple months ahead, that God will take this and draw us to a place where we are more connected to him. He created you for relationship with him. He sent his son to bleed and die on the cross at Calvary to lay down his sinless life to restore that relationship with you. He wants you connected to him. That connection can only come, can only come through the person of Jesus Christ. If there were any other way for man to be made right with God, God would not have sent his son. Jesus would not have laid down his life. Jesus even prayed, you know, if there, if there be an, another way. But there is one way, the Bible says, for man to be made right with God. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. God wants you to connect with him by saying to him, God, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. I have a need in my life. I have sin in my life. I need to have that sin forgiven. I need to be made right with God. And when we turn to him in faith and trust, God reconnects us with him. Again, this, this is his thing. So, you know, sometimes, why should I pray? Why should I pray? Because sometimes it's answered and sometimes it isn't. The most important part of this whole concept of prayer is that we are connecting to him, that we are connecting with, that the object of our faith is Jesus Christ and we are trusting him. His purposes are perfect. I don't know what they are, and sometimes I am frustrated by them, but his purposes are perfect. But he says he wants us close to him. He wants us talking to him. Um, and I think as you find, 
I, I don't know how to say this. If you can tell I'm a little frustrated right now, um, I am. Because I, sometimes I can't figure out exactly how to say this because I struggle with this myself. I struggle sometimes, again, with, you know, even though I know that God's plan is perfect, even though I know that he loves me beyond what I can imagine, even though I know that he has proven that love for me in the cross of Calvary, sometimes I still question his purposes. Let me change that. Sometimes I still sinfully question his purposes. And sometimes I run from prayer because of it. But when I run back to prayer, when I run back to bowing before him, when again I remember that uh, he wants me in that relationship with him, and when I connect to God again, he makes things right in my heart. Father, I, <laughs> this day may be more than others, and, and Lord, I, I don't know if this is you leading me in this direction, or I, or I don't really know. It's just because of the people that I've talked to. But I sense a lot of people hurting right now. And um, Lord, I just, my prayer is just so much that um, this would be the time when you draw people to yourself. <laughs> Lord, I know there's a lot going on socially, there's a lot going on politically and all this stuff, but what we do here this day, I believe, is, is the most important that we're helping people get connected to you. And Lord, I pray that even, even today, somebody who has abandoned prayer, somebody who is seeing it as the ultimate last resort of what they could do, would go to you. And I pray that others would reach out to people to pray along with them. Lord, help us to realize that um, you will use this in our life to strengthen our connection to you, or perhaps even to connect us to you in, in, when we never have been before. God, when this whole mess started, I just remember how you use hard times and how you use difficulty. Do it again, God. Do it again in our lives, I pray. Do it again this day, I pray, in drawing us to you. In the powerful name of Jesus, I ask this. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.